Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Uh, you know, I want to thank you for allowing me to, uh, to be here today. I've, over the years that I've pastored, I've, like, like your own pastor, we've spoken in, in many different churches, but I'm not often invited back. So I thank you all very much. And, and um, I tell you what, Jeffrey, your, your devotion right before people brought up the prayer cards and, and the offering about our self-esteem and our self-worth being found in not what other people think of us, but in how God sees us. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I, I'm not going to say anything as profound as that and life-changing than that. So I am blessed by that, brother. Thank you. Amen. And, and in your inter- and by the way, church, congratulations on six years. Woo-hoo. Hallelujah. That is, man, I, I, I love it. I love it. Praise, hey, you know what? If the Lord wills, 600. You know, praise God. Uh, when you introduced the service, Jeffrey, did you say we were going to be here for an hour or I was going to speak for an hour? Because I thought you said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, today what I want to talk about is, is God's design for his church. And in the message, I was telling Pastor Caesar earlier that it might come across as if I'm uh, chastising Grace Point or or saying that you're not being the church God designed you to be. That is not what I'm trying to say. So if it comes across that way, please forgive me. I apologize in advance that that's not what I'm trying to say. But we are going to talk about how God has designed his church to function according to his word. And I want to start with a a story that I came across about a a pastor of a church who who had a five-year-old daughter. And every every, uh, time the church met and the the pastor came up to to give his sermon, uh, the pastor's wife and, and his little girl were always sitting right in the front row. And the, the little girl noticed that every time her dad got up to speak, he would come up to, to the pulpit and he would pause. And he would close his eyes and bow his head for a moment. And then he'd begin to give his sermon. And so one day after church, his daughter asked him, Daddy, I, how come whenever you go up there to, to give your talk and to preach, you always stop and, and close your eyes and bow your head? And, and he looked at his daughter and said, well, sweetie, I'm praying. And what I'm doing is I'm praying, asking God uh, to give me a good sermon to preach. And then his daughter looked up at him and said, well, then how come God doesn't do it? And... Um, you know, it's interesting that, that in most churches, the pastor is often evaluated mainly by the sermons that he or she preaches. 
In fact, many people think that this is all a pastor does. I, I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm serious, I have been asked this many times over the years, usually by people who are not in the church, but they, but they ask, well, what do you do all week? I mean, you really only work one day, right, on Sundays, and all you do is give a sermon. What do you do? And most churches will have a job description for their pastor. And these job descriptions are written by good, God-fearing, decent people who love God and love the church and are doing their best to serve in the church, praise God. However, most people who write job descriptions for their pastor have never served as a pastor. And a lot of times, their job descriptions are based on on human expectations rather than what the Scripture says. And from experience, I can tell you that there's a fine line between meeting a job description as a pastor and meeting the expectations that the congregation may have for the pastor. And so I I searched the internet and I found the job description for the perfect pastor. In fact, I found it on, on, on several different websites. They're all a little bit different, but they're all pretty much the same. And this is the perfect pastor. He is the church leader who will please everyone all of the time. He preaches exactly 20 minutes and then sits down. He condemns sin, but never offends anybody. He works from 8 in the morning till 10 at night, doing everything from preaching to janitorial to construction. He knows when someone is sick and needs visiting, even without anyone telling him about it. He loves to spend time with his family but he has no problem with you dropping by at any time and calling him at all hours of the night. He makes $400 a week, and he gives $100 a week to the church. He drives a brand-new car and has well-behaved children. He's 36 years old, and he's been preaching for 40 years. And he has a burning desire to work with youth and spends all of his time with the senior citizens. He makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all of his time evangelizing the lost, but you can find them all the time in his study when needed. And most of all, you will find the perfect pastor in another church. And, and one good thing I, I can say about speaking in another church is that I can say things here that I probably could not say in the church that I pastor. And here is what I want to say to you today, folks. That your pastor, and and Pastor Caesar has no idea what I'm going to talk about. Okay, He, he doesn't know. This is not the result of a conversation that your pastor and I have had. So I'm bringing you this message. Not at all. I believe <laughs> no collusion, but but I, I this is the message that I believe God has put on my heart to bring here. And so here's what I want to say today. Your pastor is not called to do the work of the church. You are called to do the work of the church. See, American church culture is often centered around the hiring 
of, of professional clergy to do the work of the church. And, and it's convenient, especially in a culture as busy as ours. And we're all under such tremendous time constraints living here on the peninsula. And hiring professional clergy to do the work of the church is convenient and practical. But it's not biblical. God's design for the church is this. That the pastor dedicates himself or herself to the studying of God's word and to prayer. And in turn, the pastor teaches and equips and prepares the congregation to do the ministries of the church. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read, I start with verses 11 and 12. And it says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers... to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen? Amen? All right. See, when people hear the gospel message and they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, God makes that person a citizen of his kingdom. Amen? And then when they become part of a local church fellowship then this begins the process of them maturing in their faith, becoming more Christ-like as they are taught, as they are equipped, and as they are prepared for ministry. The pastor's role is to provide the leadership, provide the resources to help believers mature in their faith. And as we mature in our faith through the teaching and obedience to God's Word, Then we set an example of holiness and unity within the body of Christ. Now in verse 12, we see the word up there, equip. Some versions use the word prepare. Uh, The Greek word that Paul uses for equip or prepare means to be made complete. It actually has a a medical uh, application in the setting of broken bones. Taking something that is fractured and mending it to to its original uh, position and making it complete. And as we will see in these verses, God makes his church complete through this process of equipping and preparing and serving. And it's through the ministry of prayer and the teaching of God's word that the pastor prepares and equips the congregation for works of service. And if you notice, this scripture does not say that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do the work of the church. It doesn't say that. It says he gives pastors and teachers to prepare the church for works of service. Now, I'm going to say something that you already know. You don't need me to tell you that your pastor is a gifted, talented, dedicated, loving, intelligent, and incredibly handsome man. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You, you are blessed to have a leader 
like Pastor Caesar as your shepherd. I wish, honestly, I wish I was gifted as Pastor Caesar. And, and, and I have had many conversations, and he, and he loves this church with all of his being. But no matter how gifted, and no matter how talented and good-looking he is, there is no way Pastor Caesar can do everything that a church needs to do. God's design is not for the church to hire a pro to meet every need in the church. But it's God's design that he raises up from within pastors and teachers to prepare the church to do the work of the church. And it makes sense. I don't care if a church has has 10 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people. Think of it. If a church only had 10 people, and praise God if a church had 10 people. 10 people can do a lot more for the kingdom of God than one person. Amen? And part of the beauty of it is this, is that, yes, the pastor is there to teach and equip and prepare. But, of course, the pastor comes alongside the people and works alongside so everybody works together. Amen. And also, it also means that within God raises up others to help teach and prepare and equip. God raises up elders. God raises up deacons and and teachers and every other kind of leader needed for the church to be faithful and effective for the kingdom of God. But this includes every single believer, every follower of Jesus, every member of the church family, not just those who choose to volunteer, Not just those who raise their hand to to fill a position or, or, or raise their hand to chair a committee. God's design is that every believer is called to and every believer is gifted for service. And when this happens, when every believer recognizes that they are called to serve in the church, And however God has gifted them, however God has has called them and prepared them, when this happens, the result will be the building up of the body of Christ. You can see verse 12 there on the screen. That to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Praise the Lord. And the language that Paul uses here for building up literally refers to the building of a house. And, and, and externally, or the frame of the house, let's say, if, if we look at the spiritual building up of the church, the external is when, when we witness and we share our faith, we lead others to Jesus, we bring them into the church. But the emphasis that Paul is making is that the church is built up internally as all believers are in this process of maturing in their faith that we're all being equipped and prepared for service. And when everybody makes themselves available and we all work together, then it builds up the body of Christ. It builds the fellowship. It brings encouragement, accountability, commitment. The church will be one in purpose and one in mission and we'll see God do incredible things within the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, as a recap, God raises up pastors to properly prepare and equip the congregation 
for works of service in order to spiritually build up the body of Christ. And the purpose of all this is found in the next verse, in verse 13. Well, verse 12, I'm sorry, go back to verse 12 real quick, please. To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, then verse 13, until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's purpose for His church begins with the unity of the faith. You see, churches that operate with hired clergy or hired ministers or hired pastors to do the majority of the work, those churches will never reach that unity. They'll never achieve that unity. They could have, they would probably have nice churches. They'll probably have good music and good, good teaching and good programs. I'm not saying they're bad churches, but they're not going to achieve what God has prepared for them to achieve. Because the church will be operating by their own design, not God's design. And pastors will never live up to or meet everyone's expectations in the church. And the church cannot be properly equipped or properly prepared for works of service because the pastor will be too busy doing other things. And the works of service will never go fulfilled because the body of Christ will not be fully built up. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God will not be reached. And the church will not attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And like I said, we can have nice churches but will not be the church God designed us to be if we operate according to our own design and not God's. And again, folks, hear me out. If there's anything you, you take away from this, it's this. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting or alluding to the fact that, that Grace Point is failing in this area. I don't want anyone here to leave today with the idea that I'm saying it's not happening here. I praise God that it is happening here. Amen? This is just a reminder, an encouragement of how God designed His church to live, to breathe, and to grow. And for a, as a practical aspect, um, to take a look at how this works as an example of how God designed this to work, we can see it in the book of Acts. And it's in the book of Acts in, in chapter 6. In the book of Acts chapter 6, we see this. We see in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So in verse 1, we see that there's an issue. There's a problem in the church. That in the, and this is in Jerusalem, the early church. This is in the early, early church. The believers were Jews, and, they, and they've, been, they, they've come to faith in Jesus. They have their church. But there's this issue, this division, because the, the, the Hebraic Jews, those who can trace their bloodline all the way to Abraham, considered themselves more worthy and at a higher place than, as it says, the Hellenistic Jews or the, the Gentiles who had converted. 
And so because of that, the, 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 wid- the Gentile widows were kind of secondhand. So when they were distributing food to serve the widows uh, and the, the, the poor widows in the church, the, the Hebraic Jews, they were feeding the, the, their widows, but often the Gentile widows were being overlooked and didn't get the food they needed. So there was, there was an issue. There was a problem that needed to be solved in the church. Let's go to verse 2, please. Uh, and I'm going to read through uh, verse, uh, verse 4 right now. Uh, so the 12, and these are the 12, uh, the, the, uh, the 11 disciples, and then Matthias who took, who took Judas's place. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, before we go on, there's nothing wrong with waiting on tables. The, the, the 12 aren't saying, oh, that's beneath us. Oh, we don't wait on tables. We're, we're the 12. That's not what it is. But they recognized that as the leaders, the pastors, if you would, of, of the church, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word because they recognize that their first responsibility as leaders of the church was to be studying and knowing the word of God. Let's go on to verse 3, please. Brothers and sisters, they said, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the pastors devoted themselves to prayer, the ministry of the word, and they were building up others in the church to take care of the ministries in front of them. And it says, it says in verse 5 and, and 6, it says that the proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. These men were equipped, they were prepared, they were gifted, they were called, and they were sent to take care of the issue and take care of the ministries of the church. And the result, in verse 7... Look at the result. So the word of God spread. Amen? The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, if they had followed the common pattern of many of today's churches, those 12 leaders would have said, okay, we've got this problem. Let's go fix it. That's why we're here. They come to the leaders. We're expected to do this. So let's go do it. And they would have. The, the, the situation would have been handled. But those leaders would have neglected their first ministry, which is to study the word of God. And they would have neglected the ministry of prayer. And they would have served the food and the food would have been served. But those seven other leaders, they wouldn't have been called. They might not have been properly equipped or properly prepared for works of service. The body of Christ, that issue would have been solved, but the body of Christ would not have been properly built up and they would not have reached unity or attained the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
And the result that we see in verse 7 would not have happened, or at least it would not have happened to that extent if it was up to those pastors, those leaders, to do the work of the church. So finally, my friends, let me close by reading back in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me close here with verse 16. And it says this, From Him, meaning Jesus, from Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, meaning the body of Christ being united together, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Our churches will be joined together, spiritually built up in love as each part does its work. And the focus really is this, as each part does its work. Each part. That means all of us. It means me. It means Pastor Caesar. It means you. So let me encourage you to take this home. Let me encourage you to make this a matter of prayer. See, God is doing great things in this church, praise His name. And God has a great plan for this church. But it is not up to Pastor Caesar to carry out this plan. It is up to each one of you to be willing, to be ready, to be available, to be equipped and prepared to do the works of service. Not just so, not just so church work can get done, but it's to build up the body of Christ. So please take this home and make it a matter of prayer. If you're serving, if you're being equipped, if you're ready, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Keep it up and be encouraged. If you're not, be encouraged because God is calling you. God has gifted you to serve in the church, to build up the fellowship and unity of the church. Scripture says how beautiful it is when God's people dwell together in unity. Amen? And this unity is possible when each part does its work. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.